I say let's do this damn thing. I think we should do it. Mike, should we do it? Yep. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to yet another episode of Glass Half Sports. Happy holidays to everybody out there. If you know, you know. Um, I am Nick Huffman, one half of your hosting duties, joined by the Cheech to my Chong in Mike Mensing. How are you doing today, bud? I'm doing good, man. I'm just trying to figure out which holiday it is. But uh, <laughs> welcome to everybody out there. Thank you for joining us this morning uh, or evening, I guess, whatever time it is when you're watching the show. It's Absolutely. morning for us. Uh, but we do have a huge show for you today. We're very excited to get our guest in, or, uh, in studio on the with show. us or on the show with us uh, talking about all things Vikings. But we'll get to that in a second. We do have a big show for you. First off, where can we be found post-show, Nick? Yeah, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, YouTube, and post-show on MCN6 on Saturdays at 10 o'clock or on your Roku app. Absolutely anywhere in this world because we are international, global. We are doing things on the show. Is that right, Mike? Did I get them all? Uh, I think that was all of them. Thank you. Spotify, too. Yes, yeah, Spotify. that one again, just in case. By the way, uh, not a podcast, TV show. Put us on your big screen, folks. We got lots to show you, not yeah. just for you to hear. Great so, graphics. Great graphics. So whoever makes them, the genius. Yeah, really, really talented fellow over there. Uh, and then we do Did have Mike a big show for you. Me? Really big show for you today. Like we said, we are going to do Minnesota Sports Roundup with our special guest, who we will introduce here in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about the Jalen Hurts contract mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm, waterfall mm-hmm. that has on the NFL. Yeah. Uh, NBA playoff overreactions. We're going to talk about the Garcia versus Davis super fight coming up this That's weekend. That's right. And then the MLB <clears throat> 30 under 30, we have the 23-year-olds to continue that segment. Yeah, we're getting close to the end. After today, we will only have five players left to go, so we'll reach players will reach up to 25 players on that list after today um excited to get going um and we can start with a little bit of uh vikings vision yeah uh so first of all we do want to introduce our guest gabe do we have him here yet no no we don't and i will notify you as soon as he does you'll probably hear a ding okay fantastic uh not a whole lot going on uh in the vikings world as of right now um, to give a little bit of a backstory, uh, I guess, of the guest uh, that's going to be joining us here in a minute. Uh, the Twitter world has been ablaze with a one Rick Sosa. If you look up on the screen, ladies and gentlemen, you can see the tweet that started it all. Um, Rick Sosa tweets out, the Vikings have no quality wide receivers beyond Justin Jefferson, no quality cornerbacks beyond Murphy. There are thin at linebacker and interior offensive line have five picks, but somehow they should draft a quarterback at 23 or move up to draft one because we don't like Kirk Cousins. First of all, Mike, you read this tweet as a fan, and what do you think? Ding, ding, ding. He's dead on, right? I love that you – great callback right there. Okay. Uh, As a reporter, you read this and you go – Maybe a little aggressive in his wording as a professional reporter, but I mean, that's why the the people love Rick Sosa, right? There is a limited number of characters you also get on Twitter. Very true. So sometimes you do just got to like trim the fat mm-hmm. and you got to read between the lines, right? Um, and then, Mike, why don't you walk everybody through who jumped down his throat almost immediately um, from inside the Vikings organization on this. Yeah, so as you can see on the screen, uh, Caleb Evans, KJ Osborne, Josh Metellus from inside our own locker room Whew. felt the need to respond to Rick Sosa. Um, and then you have Adam Thielen, a former Viking, responding from the Carolina locker room, defending these guys as well. Um, 
we're going to get into this a little bit further when he does join us, but I can read you guys what these players responded to Rick's tweet with. Caleb Evans said, boy, nobody wants to sit and talk to you. I'll be a Packers fan before I do that. Uh, that was a response to Rick basically saying, like, tell me I'm wrong. Come yeah. on, come on, join come on me the show. and just sit and talk and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, and Caleb basically said, no, I'm not going to do that. So it's interesting. Uh, KJ Osborne. Hey, Rick, sorry to bother you. Just taking some notes here. Can you please describe your definition of quality for me, please? Just curious. And it was with a uh, meme of Patrick, I think, taking notes from, from SpongeBob. SpongeBob. Great call. KJ Osborne. Really yeah, well, really well, great tweet. Well placed meme, I will say. Yep. Uh, to be honest, um, Joshua Metellus. Savvy. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and honestly, I don't blame KJ for that one. Nope. That's not at fair all. to me. Um, Josh Metellus, though, shake my head. No faith in our guys from the outside, but all the faith in the world from the locker room that our guys get the job done at a quality level. Now, in order, I would think that Josh Metellus probably has the most uh, appropriate tweet response to all of this. Yeah. Right. Voice your disappointment, right? Uh, back the guys in your locker room up, as you should. Us as fans want to see that that locker room is close, and if one guy feels like it gets stepped on, that the others are going to come to bat for him. KJ Osborne's wasn't terrible either. I thought it was more funny, KJ's I, response. 100%. I don't think he takes it personally. I think he knows he has a lot to prove this year. If you looked at his interview coming into OTAs, which happened just this last week, he said that with Adam gone, there's going to be an opportunity where I'm going to have to step up. I'm going to have to do better, et cetera, et cetera. The Caleb Evans tweet, on the other hand, do you have anything in particular? To, and that's kind of the one that set this whole thing in motion. And by the way, Adam Thielen responded from all the way out in Carolina. Basically, and his tweet uh, basically just said that he supports KJ, KJ which, which is again, awesome. Fine. Um. <clears throat> The Issues, comments, me... concerns, or complaints with the with the uh, Caleb Evans one, which we were kind of talking about off camera during the show. Yeah, and honestly, like when you look at the three guys, who's the youngest? Caleb Evans, right? Who's and the guy? To with me, the... that's just the immaturity showing through. Is yeah, what it is. Yeah. Um, as a Vikings fan, it's the last thing I want to hear. <laughs> to hear that he would rather be a Packers fan before he does that is kind of a red flag. Because kind of to me, that's like a loyalty thing, and yeah, you know, it is. I didn't like that. Very much. I didn't either. Um, I understand that that guy has the right to come out and defend himself on Twitter, right? right. Um, I understand that sometimes, just as much as Rick Sosa was limited in the amount of characters that he can use to get his tweet across, that a Caleb Evans probably could use more characteristics or more characters to uh, better flush out what he was trying to say in response instead of turning this into the whirlwind that it then became. This tweet had 4.7 million views by the end of it. And yeah, to as a fan have kind of stepped on the franchise and then throw the Packers in the middle of this mix, which we hate me and you overpay for Packers Viking tickets every year now to go watch that game in hopes that we get to see them lose for that to have been the case. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. Now, the beautiful part is we've talked through the majority of this and we now have somebody who's going to be able to tell his side of the story, which I am very very excited to get through. Why don't you introduce our guest, Mike? Yeah, so our guest today, uh, we want to welcome the leader of the Purple Code Network covering the Minnesota Vikings. You've seen him all over Twitter the past week. <laughs> Rick Sosa, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for joining us. Hey, uh, how are you guys? Uh, thanks for having me over. Um, it's a pleasure to be here with you and have an opportunity to talk about Vikings football. 
Yeah, absolutely. We are excited to have you. You are uh, nationally renowned. I was kind of combing through your Twitter uh, through the madness this week and see that you've been, uh, you know, or had the opportunity to interview the likes of guys like Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, some bigger names from throughout the NFL. So we're going to lean on the expertise that you have. But the first thing that we're obviously going to have to talk about here is the whirlwind that was this last week for you on Twitter. Talk to me about a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, covering sports. And then when something like this happens, where you have players that kind of take offense to something that you may not have been trying to throw barbs per se at, do you worry about your relationship with, you know, their teammates or the franchise or anything moving forward? Well, you know, I've been doing this for now a number of years. Uh, this is my uh, seventh season uh, covering the NFL. Uh, covering the Vikings, uh, covering uh, Super Bowls, uh, Pro Bowls, uh, NFL drafts. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty used to it. I mean, uh, had the opportunity to, uh, you know, interview like you mentioned, you know, some some big names in in the NFL, and and uh, in fact, uh, last uh, Super Bowl, I even had an opportunity to get involved in the PGA. We did a little coverage of the PGA. Uh, uh, tournament out in Phoenix. So had an opportunity to talk to some PGA players as well. So, you know, that's kind of how um, I started this business, you know, just covering for an outlet out of Mexico called Maximo Avance. Then I have my own platform, which is the Purple Code, which is obviously more focused on the Vikings. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I've been I've been covering the NFL as a whole for a number of years now. And you know, it is it is unfortunate that, you know, sometimes players interpret things a certain way, you know, for what transpired over the last few days. Um, you know, it, it is so related to the NFL draft coming up next week in Kansas City, which I'm going to have an opportunity to be there and cover. So, I mean, it is it is uh, an exciting time for for us, uh, you know, that are in this NFL world. Uh, the, the offseason is very, very long. It's seven months. So we look for content. We look for, you know, opportunities to talk football and, you know, how a team might be constructing the roster. So in this case, um, you know, I gave an opinion uh, leading up to the draft in which, you know, I, I for those who know me the, the, the best, they, people know that I am supportive of Kirk Cousins from the standpoint that I believe that he gives us the best opportunity uh, as a team for the Vikings to compete uh, and to try to, you know, get to the, the promised land, you know, some people disagree and, and, uh, you know, they want to look for a different way to, to get there. I think in the end, we all want the same. We, we all want the, the, the Vikings to win a Super Bowl. I think, I think sometimes we lose perspective of that. It's just, we have differences of opinion as to, you know, how to get there. Um, so you know, some people believe that, you know, the team should be looking for for a different, uh, you know, quarterback or a different way to get there as a rookie contract or and, you know, perhaps, you know, the the uh, elusive, you know, next Patrick Mahomes. So the, the, the comment that I made was in relation to that. I, I felt that, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have a lot of needs right now in several different positions and only have five picks at their disposal right at the moment. So it makes little sense for the team to try to trade up and, you know, mortgage the entire future in, in search of, of that elusive, uh, you know, next Patrick Mahomes. 
number one, I don't feel that that next Patrick Mahomes is in this class. Um, I, I think that's probably my my number one thing. I'm I'm not opposed to you know explore it. I'm not opposed to you know look for what the backup plan is going to be for Cousins when he retires. He's he's 34 going into 35, so I, I expect him to have still anywhere between two to three years of of high quality play. He can't play forever, so you got to replace him at some point. So I'm not opposed to that, but I just don't think this is the time. Uh, for the Vikings to, you know, throw the kitchen sink and and everything else, mortgage the house at this particular 2023 quarterback class. And, you know, so there are other needs that need to be addressed. And, and you know, I, I think for me, you know, I am a fan of the Vikings, so everybody knows that. But I try sometimes to look at the picture from a, from a national level. You know, what is really the... the uh, the thinking at a national level of the Minnesota Vikings right. and some of the players, we as fans, we want to think of X, Y, and Z player as, as you know, at a certain level, but in the national scene, that might not be the case. You know, that might not be the case. Coming through your Twitter, it seems like that applies to a lot of Minnesota sports. <laughs> uh, yeah, where it, we it, just it, think our player might be better because he's in a Minnesota sweater or Jersey or whatever it may be. And, you know, and, and I said this before, I think this has a lot to do with the fact that because we are not able to win championships at the professional level, you know, with the with the big, uh, uh, you know, leagues, we're not able to win championships. So we as fans, we have the, the tendency to hold on to our stars or hold on to our players because because that's all we have. Yeah. We, we, we yeah. cannot say we have, you know, a championship, a Super Bowl or. Or, you know, the, the Twins winning, is, 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 it was a long time ago. So so people get attached to players because because that's all we have. We, we, we cannot get attached to trophies because we don't have them. Right. So I think it's a little bit, you know, in, in relation to that. And, and, you know, living in Minnesota, you know, I've been here for many, many years. I know the feeling and, and, and I love my players and I love my team and, 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 and I support all Minnesota teams. But at the time that you try to give some kind of a objective opinion or analysis, you you gotta be able to step out of that and and see that aside of Justin Jefferson, if Justin Jefferson gets hurt, the, the as as his stands today, I mean the Vikings will be in 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 apparel yeah. if if, if yeah. Justin Jefferson is hurt. And that's 100%. a fact. Yeah. Well, it's it, not it, we it, agree with you. 100%. Yeah. And and it, look at the Rams. It, it, the Rams it, it's not way back you know, it's not a it's not a swipe on 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 KJ. And and I said this already many times when he came out as a rookie during the COVID year in 2020, I was one of the few fortunate that that have media credentials to cover training camp for the Vikings. Uh, there were no fans and and there were not a lot of reporters. So he were at, at the TCO, you know, wearing masks and and we're standing there, you know, you know, 25 years away from the field because we couldn't get any closer. You guys remember what it was like in 2020. So here's this, you know, receiver from uh, the hurricanes that nobody knew. And, you know, as I watched him, you know, do the, the drills and exercises and, you know, the, the route running and whatever, I spoke really highly of him. Uh, I thought that he was a player that had a chance to make an NFL roster. I thought he looked pretty good. And, you know, fast forward three years, I mean, he's evolving to, into a good player, but good player at, at, at that wide receiver number three, there's a big difference between a three and a, and a two. But anyway, so that's kind of where everything unraveled. Um, you know, you got a Caleb Evans, who I also said that I like a lot of the things that I saw out of him during camp and in some of the games. Unfortunately, he got he got injured. 
but you know, a lot of these guys, they're, they're young players. So I think, I think they do have a little bit to go in terms of learning how to handle criticism. Yeah, we agree. So based on the tweet though, yeah. my first question for you is we switch you for Kwesi, who, or what are you doing at 23? Are you drafting someone at 23? Are you trading back to accumulate more picks so you have more than five? Just curious what, yeah. you, what you would do. If, if, if I was in, in, the, in the war room in, in Egan on next Thursday, um, you know, if, if, I, if there's a player that I really, really like on my board that could potentially fall to 23, and and is you know it's not a quarterback. I mean, let's let's be let's be real. I mean, we we're not going to have any of the of the top guys, you know, fall into, into twenty three. And if they do fall into twenty three, there's got to be some that that something's you know you wrong. should really be yeah some some something's not right. But you know, as of right now, you don't expect that to happen. But aside a quarterback, if there's a a, a player that you really really like, for example, uh, uh, Jackson Smith uh, uh, from Ohio State. Yep. Yep. If, if that's a player that you're thinking, perhaps not Justin Jefferson level, but this is a guy that can explode and, and be you know, the next Garrett Wilson in the NFL, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, okay, if, if he falls into 23 because, because uh, uh, Jackson Smith is not supposed to be there at 23, but let's say he falls for whatever reason, I, I'm, I'm going to pick him. Yeah. But, but that's the one name that, that I will be thinking – that my plan is if he's there, I'm taking him. If not, I'm going to trade back. Hundred percent, I'm going to trade back because uh, you don't yeah. you don't ha- you don't have enough draft cap- draft capital. Right. The don't. only other name that I had in, in, on the top of my head was Bajan Robinson personally. Um, yeah. Because if he drops, you take him. That's your AP for the next five to six years. Dalvin can go now. You get something back in return for that, hopefully, and and you're moving forward that way. Um, but I don't think he's going to be there at 23 either. So I know you had a few questions for, for Rick as well. Yeah, and I had one before we get to Gabe. I know our producer in the back who's also joining us has a, has a question for you. And, and the, the Dalvin Cook, Bijan Robinson thing is a perfect transition. Right now, there's a lot of rumblings around the Vikings about who is still on the roster that isn't going to be a part of the roster past draft day or whatever the case may be. Right now, Daniil Hunter's not in camp. Zadarius Smith sold his house. He's in the middle of a contract issue. It sounds like Dalvin Cook wouldn't be here if he could pass a physical right now, do you see those three guys as potential draft day trade targets to accumulate the kind of capital that the Vikings would need to continue to flip this roster over, which it seems very evident that they are smack dab in the middle of doing while trying to stay semi-competitive? You know, in regards to Dalvin Cook, um, I I think Kwesi is, is in a really tough spot because other GMs know that they don't even have to offer anything to Quesi for a trade for, for Dalvin because with, with that salary that, that he's expected to make in 2023, he's not going to play on, on, on that cap. So, so I think they know that. So they might not even be offering anything to the Vikings for Dalvin Cook because they know that potentially he could, he could be just released. Sure. Yeah. And if he's released, then then they can just pick him up, and they don't have to give anything for him. So I think I think Dalvin Cook, I, I'm, I'd be very surprised. I can I can say this. I'd be very surprised if Dalvin Cook is in a Vikings jersey in 2023. So so that that I'm 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 going to uh, leave it at that. Uh, Sedaris so Smith, it's another pickle. You know uh, they got him for one more year contract. He doesn't want to be here. 
Uh, I know he was in Dallas. I'm not sure if he was just there vacationing or he was there for other reasons. We know there are some Vikings players that went to Dallas, like Anthony Barr and Jaron Kurtz. So I think it's another difficult situation that um, I think Quezzy is dealing with his uh, agent and they're trying to, you know, find a, a solution. Um, there's no coincidence why they brought in Marcus Davenport. Right. Uh, I, I think, you know, in this, in the case of uh, Daniel Hunter, I mean, we, we all know this is no, he's not going to play under, under his current contract. Four million. I mean, low. we're, we're back. We're back to you know whatever a couple of years ago when he deleted all the pictures out of Instagram of, of you know with him in a Vikings uniform. I mean we're back. We're back to that mode where where he's trying to put some pressure on the team. You guys want me? You guys don't want me? Um, you know he's 28. He's had two big injuries, and you know they're gonna have to really you know put a a, a balancing act there to see if, if this is something we want to do. Commit to to Hunter with big money. Because that would have a lot of the similarities to the kind of thing that Rick Spielman used to do, and and you know, are they going to get it tangled with another big contract with Hunter? It's I, I think I think that's that's a fifty fifty, um, but I just don't know. Like if you wanted to move up to pick number three with uh, Arizona and you offer Daniel Hunter and you offer you know twenty twenty four first twenty twenty five first, you most likely going to get outbid by someone else. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I, that's kind of how I see this, this, some plane. I think, I think the Vikings are waiting for the draft to see how that's going to shake out to then make decisions, uh, uh, the week after. So the very next week after the draft, we're going to, we're going to know what's going to happen with these players. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I know our producer in the back, Gabe had a question for you as well, Rick. Gabe, oh, go ahead. Hello. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Um, I really, uh, I was looking at your Twitter and stuff and, and I really agree with a lot of your takes and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed reading it in general. And one of the questions I have is when I looked at your tweet, the first thing, so Nick told me about it, about this big flame war going on. I'm like going, boy, this guy must be raw on these people or something. And I look at your tweet and I'm like, boy, that is a really fair, fucking fair critique in general. Right. And I was kind of shocked by the response that you got. And the first thing that I wondered is, it, because I don't know much about your career besides this, are you in the locker rooms often for your job? Like, you know, do you have a lot of personal, you know, is this personal, basically? Um, have you considered that as a, I, I don't know, it's so odd to me. You, you, are, you, are you referring like to to like fans in, in at large no, or, no, or, no, or no. The, players? The, the Vikings players? Yeah, responding have, the way that they did on Twitter is it because they know you from your interactions with them? Well, I I, I can I can say with uh, uh with a lot of certainty that I, I I'm pretty sure that the entire roster ha- knows me or has known me for you know the last few years right. because I've covered the yeah. team and. Yeah. Right. And I and I've given I've given plenty of opinions. This is this is not the first one. No, I think I think this is more uh honestly, I think this is more uh related to uh these players. You you're talking uh Brian Asamoa, you're talking uh KJ Osborne, uh, Caleb Evans, and I believe Josh Mattelis. These Adam are Thielen young. chimed in from Carolina as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adam, I mean Adam, I have absolutely no problem with Adam, you know, sticking up for his teammate. Uh, I think that's how I took that. I mean, okay. there's, yeah. there's, oh, yeah. no, there's no, there's no, a lot of it I, is. I, but, but I think in relation to the guys that are currently with, with, with the Vikings, I think they're young players that 
they're they're perhaps accustomed to having everybody say they're great. So when yeah. somebody when somebody says, "Well, maybe you're not so great," yeah. they 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 don't they don't take that pretty well. And and again, that's that's a lot of has to do with the fact they're young players, and and they got to be able to handle criticism in 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 a better way. I mean, uh, getting into a Twitter war with you know whoever, I, I just I just can't hardly believe that that that's what their PR uh, agent is, is is advising them to do. So. I think I think uh, I think there's some 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 of that going on, but no, I mean I I I'm a Vikings fan. I love the team. I love all the players. I I mean if you guys go through my tweets, you know during the season, I'm always supporting you know all players. I go on the road with the team. You know I'm I'm at a lot of a lot of uh, away games. I'm always there. You know close to the field. You know supporting them. I, I'm very very support supportive of of this team and and people can vouch for that because like I said, I, I go to almost all, all games. Right. I think it's, it's more, you know, having someone that said, well, may, may, maybe, maybe you need to show a little more to prove, you know, what kind of level you really are. And perhaps they're not used to hearing that. And, and, and that's okay. Do you think that um, KOC is addressing this behind closed doors? Do you think like, is he the kind of coach where that's going to be a thing? Do you think? Um, you know, because it's a bad look in my mind, it, you know? Yeah, I would agree it, with Gabe. I think some, it does somewhat speak to maybe not the culture that Quasi is putting forward, but the culture that the players are putting in the locker room. Successful teams tend to be quite quiet on on Twitter, right? They don't well, see this kind of, I guess. Uh, well, we got, we, we, we got to look at, at, you know, the, the, the whole situation, meaning uh, he, Kevin O'Connell arrived after uh, the previous regime that was one that a lot of things came to light that he was, that Mike Zimmer was running a, a really uh, tense locker room. I, I guess that's the, the word that I want to use. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, a, an environment that was not conducive to, to a positive interaction, you know, between, yeah. between all, the, all the parties involved in that locker room. So Kevin O'Connell came with that notion that hey, you know, we got a new culture going on, uh, everything is positive, you know, you guys are great, and let's get this, let's get this done, and let's get this, uh, you know, let's get this ship going. And it worked. It worked because a lot of the games that that you know I saw, and I saw a lot of them live, uh, the the Vikings seem to always find that extra to be able to pu pull this miracle miracle wins that that you just didn't see that with with Zimmer in the last couple of seasons i mean you would see more people quitting right. than people giving their extra so so he's managing that kind of a, a, a culture you know type of coaching um now that can be great for, as long as you're winning just like in any professional sports if you win oh. you know you're 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 gospel right yes but but as soon as you start losing, then questions start, and then you didn't do this. Hey, I didn't do that, and it's not your fault. It's my fault. It's your fault, and then and then those things can can start happening. So right now, I think I think he wants to keep this as a, a positive locker room, but that doesn't mean that you know guys can get into Twitter wars or 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 I'll, or I'll throw you another one. That doesn't mean that guys can you know wear whatever cleats they want at Lambeau Field. When, when I mean that, that 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 right there was a a good example of you know these players they 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 
I'm not sure the reason why they had to wear or wanted to wear those cleats. Maybe they were designed for them. I don't know. But the cleats were the wrong ones for, for, for that game in, in, in Green Bay. And, and, and we didn't lose because of the cleats, but certainly did not help. So doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think uh, at some point, yeah, O'Connell might want to uh, uh, just make sure that, you know, like I said, especially the younger players, that, that they don't get into back and forth with, you know, media or, or you know, fans or whatever, because it's, it's but hey, uh, you had the, the Vikings account that got into it too. And, and they, they yeah. you know, yeah. They, 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 they kind of got in the fray. So, so perhaps the, those conversations should be, have be held with other people besides the players. That's, that's my thinking. So, so this is, and I'll try not to hold you here, but, but it, this is really fascinating to me. And I've noticed something and I'm just curious if you have seen the same thing or if I'm inventing it, you're there in the locker room much more. And I feel like I've noticed you know, this kind of sensitivity from players just more and more in general, like, you know, whether it's a, um, you know, like, like to me, it's almost like a can't a low key cancellation of sports journalism, that criticism is getting to be more out of bounds, you know, uh, you know, players bite back at it. Are you seeing that as well or not really? Is this an isolated incident for you? I think it's more isolated. Okay. Um, like I said, uh, you know, I had opportunities to interview other players and from other teams, uh, you know, pro bowlers and, you know, the, the, the players, I can tell you that 99.9% of the time players are great. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I've never, I've never had an issue with, with anybody that I've interviewed and, and I'm talking, you know, situations in pro bowls where I'm in a locker room and, you know, I have uh, Drew Brees, and then I have Russell Wilson, and I have Ezekiel Elliott, and I have—I mean, I have all the superstars all over the place. And and no, the superstars have never—you know, there's never been any issues with any of them. Yeah. Because superstars been around for a while, and they know how to handle those types of situations. Right. They know what matters, right? Do you—is this going to be something that needs to be addressed when you do re-enter the locker room for this next season? No, no. I, I think at this point. Uh, you know, as I mentioned before, and you you guys know this, I I invited the players to to my yeah, podcast. Yeah. I said, hey, you know, I I I I feel that it's fair that I do. I mean, I've never yeah. had invited you know players to my podcast, so people think that I was just trying to look for 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 views or clicks or whatever. I never invited players to my podcast. I did it because I didn't want to sit in a podcast and talk about this whole thing, and and the players be like, well, well, I I want I want to have a say. I want I want to you know be able to say what I think. So I said, okay, well, you know, if you guys want to come, you can say, you know, whatever you, you guys want to want to share, and, and we'll have a football discussion. So, no, I mean, at this point, yeah, you know, if they want to take this uh, with a grain of salt, and you know, say, okay, you know, we're gonna we're gonna show Rick, or we're gonna show their fan base, or we're gonna show whatever that we can reach that next level. I think I think that's outstanding. I think you know they 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 can you know go out and show it on the field, and that'd be that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got one final question, kind of just like removing ourselves from the Vikings and that whole situation. Obviously, like you said, you've had the opportunity to be around the league and interview a lot of incredible individuals. And one of our favorite things to do with our guests here on this show is get kind of like a best story or a funniest interaction or a favorite person to interview. Walk me through an interaction that you had that may have surprised you or a moment where you were falling out of your chair laughing and just who that was with and why you think that individual is so special. You know, um, I can tell you the the uh, Pro Bowl that I covered uh, back in for the 2019 season, so 2020 Pro Bowl, uh, February or January or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
uh, down in Orlando. It was, I believe, the, the last time that the Pro was held in Orlando. Uh, I had an opportunity to, or I wanted to interview Drew Brees, uh, Hall of Famer Drew Brees. Uh, I knew that that was going to be the last Pro Bowl that he would be uh, uh, perhaps uh, you know, invited to. So I asked him if I could do an interview with him and, and because it was his, his last uh, time there, or he knew that, uh, his children were there and he was you know, going to play catch with them. And he said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play catch with them. And, and then I got a line of fans right there waiting for me to sign autographs. So if you wait for me, um, I'll, I'll give you an interview. So I told my camera guy, I'm, I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's just wait for him. You know, he's, he wants his, his time with his kids and whatever else. So he started playing catch with his kids and, and, you know, took his time doing it. And, and of course I had no problem, you know, you know, waiting for him. But then my, my camera guy said to me, he says, Rick, uh, look over there. They see, see the line of, uh, of uh, saints or, or fans in general waiting for, for Drew Brees for his autograph. Cause he was his last time at the, at the Pro Bowl. I mean, the, the line, I don't even know how many people were in that line, but it was, it was in the hundreds. Oh, wow. So I'm like, Oh boy. Um, uh, well, should we wait? And and we just kind of decided, you know, if this is our last time to 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 interview Drew Brees to get an interview with him uh, before he goes into, you know, not not back in the Pro Bowl. So we waited for the catch. Uh, we waited for the line. I mean, it was a good 40, 45 minutes that 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 we had to wait. And by the time he was almost done with that line of autographs, um. I was completely surrounded by just you name it, ESPN, uh, Fox, uh, you, you name it. I, I, I had like cameras and, you know, uh, colleagues from from other uh, media outlets, you know, all, I mean, surrounded all over where we were. And, and I mean, I would probably think there were at least 40 people there or so waiting for Drew Brees. And before I knew it, I was in the back of the line. I was in the back of that whole, you know, you know, bunch of people. And my camera guy said, you know what? Um, we should just probably go. I mean, this is just, it's just a waste of time. We should just probably go. And I, and I told him, I said, you know what? Um, I think he's going to give us an interview. I think we should wait. And he said, Rick, no, you're crazy. This is, this is not going to happen. We should just get out of here and just, you know, just be done. And I said, no, 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 no. Let's just, let's just wait until he's done. And, and, and then we'll, we'll, We'll see. We'll see what happens. So when he got done signing the last autograph, he walked around and he start and he started, uh, you know, approaching that that area where the report, where the, all the media was, and and like I said, it was a lots of people. So I couldn't believe it. He walked past all of them, looking wow. for me. That's awesome. He he like he almost like he was part in the sea. The ocean. <laughs> he walked past all of them, looking for me. And he found me at the at the very back of the of the of that big uh, you know group of people, and he said, "I I saw you waited, so I'm here I'm here to to fulfill you know my my promise that I was I give you the interview." That's that's incredible. What, was it a good interview? How, I mean, how long were you with him? What'd you guys talk about? You uh, two two. It was two three minutes, okay. and and basically, I don't know if you guys remember that was the time when when he was back and forth whether he was going to retire. Yeah. And and he ended up, I believe, signing a, a one more contract, uh, you know, after that. But he was he was just really back and forth on on whether that that wasn't going to be his last, 
his last season and 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 he would be done. So we talked a little bit about that. Um so yeah, I mean uh, it was it was a it was a good story because it just showed, you know, the kind of class act that Drew Brees is. Yeah, I mean that kind of backs up everything. I mean me and Mike have been lifelong fans of the game. We don't quite have the plugins that you have yet. Eventually we're hoping to get there, right? We're kind of on that slow march to eventually standing shoulder to shoulder with you maybe one day in the locker room. So to hear that a guy like Drew Brees that has had this spotless reputation is who we think he is from the outside. That's really cool to hear. We do appreciate you sharing that story with us. Um, we do got to, we want to let you obviously get on without your, get on with your day. I know you've got a lot of things that you probably need to get to, uh, to continue to cover the sport the way that you do. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, where to tune into the podcast, uh, and where to go, you know, see you on, on, on cover the sport on a daily basis. Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sosa Rick, S O S A R I C K. And of course, uh, the purple code is at the purple code one the number one we have our weekly podcast we we have a lot of content and like i said it's all focused on the minnesota vikings but i do myself uh, uh coverage of the nfl at large so we're going to be in kansas city next week eating some barbecue and covering the nfl draft yeah, absolutely uh hopefully we'll get the opportunity to have you back maybe after the draft we absolutely enjoyed the interview we we, we appreciate your knowledge especially in the middle of everything that you had going on this week. Enjoy Kansas city. Mike, you got anything for him before we let him go? Uh, just thank you for joining us. That was a, that was great to have you. Absolutely, man. Rick, take care. Hopefully we'll get to see you again soon, buddy. And we'd love to have thank you back. You yeah. Him, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Take care. Man, I think the guy was spot on with just about everything where he came from, his viewpoint, the knowledge, well-connected individual. Yeah. And, and like we said, when we were interviewing him, the tweet that started it all, we actually agree. Yeah, yeah right? it was. Uh, it's kind of a sound opinion. They don't have a lot of depth at those positions, and they don't have a lot of opportunities to fill in that depth. Yeah, with only five picks. Now, so, uh, yeah, it was it was great to have them. Now, I think what's probably going to happen here is Rick Sosa is going to be the catalyst for Caleb Evans and Brian Osimo and these guys that aren't quality, or you know, that's probably I'm sure what they took offense to in that tweet to train a little harder. And if Rick Sosa is the reason we're back in the playoffs next year, I'm all about it. Yeah. I'm all about it. Agree. A hundred percent. Rick Sosa is a motivator. He is a motivator. Yeah, it's a great motivator. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm so curious. Oh man. I wish I would have asked him about my sexy, uh, trading Jefferson, uh, Oh, thing God. now. I just, we got to stop him, putting that in the universe. Watch him agree. We got to know. Yeah. <laughs> we got we'll, we'll to stop putting that him back in the on the show as well. So yeah. We, post, post draft. Um, we'll try to track it back down. But with that, I think we do need to switch gears a little bit. We yeah. spent a lot of time on the Vikings in their offseason, and we have a couple teams that are in playoffs. So let's switch gears to the Minnesota Wild, who yeah. are coming home from a two-game uh, stand in Dallas in round one of the NHL playoffs. Oh, let's go with NBA. Let's go with the NBA. The NBA is on the screen, so let's go with the NBA. Let's go with the NBA. Uh, so, no, Wolves, Wolves watch first. So yeah. the Wolves are coming home from two games in Denver. Yes. Uh, down 0-2 to the one seed. Yes. Nothing to be, you know, as as expected, basically. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any of the Wolves games the past couple? Believe it or not, I've watched every second of the last three games, four games that they have played. Okay, thoughts? A um, couple of things. You go back to the play-in game. I know, like, Mike's whole thing for the play-in game, which got us back into the playoffs against Oklahoma City, you kind of texted me the morning after and gone, well, this is what we hoped it was going to be. The two bigs looked like they performed the way that they wanted to. In theory, if it's going to work, it would work this like is that. what it would look like. Yes. Right? Yeah. Again, that was a 10 seed <laughs> that we were able to do it against. But to me, I honestly saw shades of that game yeah. in game two against Denver. Yeah. Game one, I don't know if we showed up. True. Like, I don't know what happened there. 
So game two, though, especially that third quarter, we looked pretty good. There was a lot there to unpack. I mean, the Oklahoma City game for me, you go and I, I came back to you right away, and I was like, "Listen, I think this is a different ball game. If their center is any taller than six foot nine, Cat looked like an actual post presence because he was playing against a college center. Right? It's a whole lot different in the paint. And, there. and they're ten seed for a reason, right?" right? Um, so there's that to put into it. And then you get into the Denver series and in game one, you watched Nikola Jokic put Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert by himself in a spin cycle all game long. I understand that he's the MVP. He's I, not the MVP, but well, continue back to back over the last two years, right? You also know how talented the rest of that team is with Jamal Murray and Porter and whatever. But if the Wolves are who they say they are, that game should not have looked the way it looked where you get into the fourth quarter and you're down by almost 30 points. Anthony Edwards unengaged. Carl Anthony Towns not hitting any shots. Rudy Gobert not active on the offensive or defensive end of the floor. Game one was very concerning. You get into game two in the whole first half. I see a lot of the same things until, a la typical cat, big man gets in foul trouble. And then we only have one big on the floor. And once the one, there was only one big on the floor, what happened to Anthony Edwards? He came alive so in the late, third. Well, late second quarter is when yes. that happened. But third quarter, you had Kent and Gobert on the floor. What started the run of us yes. really going off in the third quarter was a cat block to a deep outlet pass to a Gobert dunk. Yes. The next drive, we stuffed them on defense again. Yep. They tried to come into the lane. I think Gobert had basically a good defensive stand. Yep. Turned around. It led to a cat three. Yep. The Literally the next offensive possession for the Nuggets, Ant comes with a block. It leads to a, an Ant three on the other end, I think. Yeah. It's the defense first to yeah. lead to your offense that is what is going to be the catalyst for this team. You have to focus on giving great effort on the defensive end you have two bigs, protect the rim, yes. and then turn around and run. Yes. No, I would totally agree with you there, and you saw that with their ability to get out and transition. Now, the issue is it was too little too late, and I well, think— Well, we got the lead. We did, but, but it, the, it, the amount of effort that it— It's sustainable because you don't have Jaden McDaniels to play defense off the bench. You Bingo. don't have Nas Reed to be the next big off the bench. Bingo. The, it is as, as terrible as it is that we are <laughs> sitting here as the freaking eight seed <laughs> saying the only reason we lost to the one seed was injuries— it's, it's kind of true. It's never been more true than in a series yeah. like this. You look at the performance. I mean, I'm looking at bubble Jamal Murray over the last two games. Yeah. And to not have Jaden McDaniels specifically and his length and his ability to agitate not only guards, but then play help side defense. Well, and he could he could help on Jokic on some defensive possessions. A hundred percent. I wouldn't want him on him for a quarter. No, no, no. But the transition or the switch, he can definitely at least bug Nick to yeah. maybe miss a shot or three. No, abs absolutely. So to have him, and then what that winds up doing for you is you saw the level of effort that Ant had to put out in quarters to halfway through two, three, and four last night. If you need that kind of offensive output from him, as great as he can be on defense, you need to be able to get him off the other team's top score. At times, you just have to. Michael had to do it. Kobe had to do it. LeBron has had to do it. Kawhi Leonard and other guys in the league that are great defenders have had to come off the other team's top score because they understand that the offensive output is what's required of them in a game where you got Jamal Murray coming off double pin downs and well, things and like that. Speaking of Ant being the number one. Yes. Because if you want to argue that Cat is our best player, he's not. You can. Nope. But 
the best way for this team to move forward is with Ant taking over. 100%. And Cat can still technically be your best player, but be a number two facilitator 100%. role. He can score the most points, but it'll be Ant with his drives and kicks that are feeding into those points. Uh-huh. You got to run the offense through Ant. Cat should be the best number two option in the league. Oh, absolutely. That's how you should run this team. Absolutely. I don't disagree with you. Um, I don't think we have a whole lot of hope going into the rest of the series. I know Chris we'll, Finch we'll touch has, on it later with our yeah. NBA overreaction segment as well. But. I I know Chris Finch said the team's been in a fantastic mood, win or lose, all year long, but you've seen it, especially in this last game with Cat. He got emotional. He got to five fouls late. He wasn't able to play effective defense. He wasn't able to play aggressive offense, and it gutted us with four minutes left to go. Same thing with Rudy Gobert. Emotionally drained, emotionally immature, laid in ball games, can't play the way that he needs to because the rest of the game, he let what was going on get to him, and he was in foul trouble. So if you wanted to have a chance, you would need a certain level of like maturity that I think our two big men that this whole plan was built on lack. They lack not on court skill. I have never sat back and said that Rudy Gobert is a bad defender. I've said that maybe he's not as motivated, maybe he's not as physically imposing, but he's not a bad defender. Was also the sixth most overrated player as voted upon by the NBA players recently. Yeah, super recently, by the way. This just as early as last week in Carl Anthony Towns. We know what he is. The emotional maturity, the internal, what's between the ears of the, those two individuals is what we lack to close playoff games. So, um, so is this going to be a sweep? I, I don't know if it's going to be a sweep. I think, you know, we there's a potential that we get one at home. Maybe, like I said, we'll get to this in NBA overreactions, but it does not look good, especially with Murray rolling the way that he's rolling right now. And we don't have an answer for him. We just don't. Right. It doesn't. The the future, the immediate future for the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves does not look good. No. Uh, let's transition to the baseball diamond, the Minnesota Twins. Or the Wild. So, or the Wild. <laughs> now we got to go wild. That's right. Yep. I'm so messed up now. Yeah. Sorry Damn. about that, guys. Jeez, that was it's all good. It's what are we good. doing? We're, We're going to do the wild. wild. Oh, brother. That's the, the hockey. Other. Yep, I got it. The other playoff team. All um, right. So, the wild come home from a two-game stand in Dallas playing, are they the one seed, technically? Or the one from our conference, one right? from our conference. Or division? Yeah. Um, And we did what we should have done, in my opinion. That's when you are the lower and... seed... In a seven-game series, yeah, all you have to do in the first two games is win one of them yes. because now you have home ice, mm-hmm. and that's all we needed. Off of that, can we keep Flurry out of the goal now for the rest of the freaking thing, please? So, for the love of God, I have stood in the camp of you have to support the Hall of Famer and let him get to the playoffs and then do his thing pretty much all year long. I have been okay with the. Gus, flurry, flurry, Gus, Gus, flurry, flurry, Gus system all year long. You come off a double overtimer where your goalie stood on his head to help you get the win. And I, so I understood putting him in goal. This is the first time all season where he looked slow, lost, overwhelmed, outmatched, old. Father time, I think, caught Mark Andre Flurry in game two. I was incredibly concerned by how consistently out of position he was and he doesn't have the physical tools to recover anymore. I think this is Gus's net to have 
for the remainder of the playoffs until you see him have a performance like that, that we just saw. Because you cannot afford to come home, stick Marc-Andre Fleury back in goal, and lose another game 7-3. to three. No, I think you're right. I think it's got to be Gus in game three. It's got to be Gus in game four if they win game three, which I think they will. Yes. Um, and then from there, when you're up 3-1, evaluate sure if you want to give them another breath that's it is what it is but you're like these two games at home are vital must win games if you're going to get through the first round of the playoffs absolutely i just pulled a rick sosa tweet i saw from this morning (laughs) look at that flurry sucks why he plays in critical playoffs is beyond me and hard to hard to argue with that right now yeah Uh, so uh, again now in case you missed what nick said Flurry gave up a touchdown. He gave up seven, seven goals. goals, folks. Yeah, yeah. Why did it take that long? Um, you know, it was they just threw the game essentially. I, well, first of all, penalty well, minutes it was four to two. We scored. It became three to four, and then it was and a then boat it was race. over. Um, and you'll see on screen here if you look at the penalty minutes, we occurred fifty some odd penalty minutes last night. It was. It was bad. Well, we had a lot 46 of forty-six hits to twenty-one hits. Dallas just doesn't want to engage at times. And no, get us in trouble. Yeah, they keep and they're they're playing crafty because they understand that the well, the Wild are a better hockey team, but you can't get caught playing their game, right? Um, the other thing is, I will say some of this was to be expected off the back of the hit that Matt Dumba delivered in game I one. I knew Dallas was going to win game yes. two. Yes. I just wasn't, I was hoping it wasn't going to be seven this to bad. three. Yeah. Right? Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, I flat out knew like with the hit, with them being the higher seed at home, the odds of us going out of there up 2-0. Is slim. It was super slim, yeah. right? But don't not show up. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I blame Chris Long. Yeah? In a very weird way. Why is that? Um, I don't know. Just he's the guy I know who knows hockey the most. Oh, okay. No, I well, we no. should get Chris Long back in the studio. Then that's what I was exactly. Hey, guess what, folks? Guess what? Thank As you. of right now, tune in for June first because Chris Long will be joining yeah, us yeah. once again. Awesome. So, um, yeah. I, what do you think the outcome of the two home games is going to be? I th- I think every game in this series should have been just like Game One. Absolutely, they're going to be super tight. They're going to be chippy. They're going to be crafty, crazy goals, deflections in, weird angles, and they're going to be one-goal games. I'm thinking that we're going to be able to pull out three and four, I would and think we'll so. go from there. I would think so. Um, Minnesota, there seems to be a level of faith in this team. I know we've had faith in wild playoff teams in the past, but I think the Dallas Star and you know the, the announcers last night were talking about, oh, you're going to go from Ruckus Stadium to Ruckus Stadium. Okay, I'm sorry, but a Ruckus Stadium in Dallas is not – Anywhere near to a ruckus stadium at the X. Our regular season home games are as intense. Are 19,000. Yeah, are as intense as what they put forward in the playoffs. So you're going to have the definition of home ice advantage, and you have to take advantage of it. And if you can get out, like you said, of that portion of the series at 3-1. It's over. It's over. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you, all you got to do is survive the road stretch, and then if you have it. to, yeah, if you have to bring it back home, you'll still have the advantage. We'll be right back in that same ruckus environment. You should be able to close things out. So, game and three, our fans game actually know uh, what what's happening. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We know the sport of hockey, right? Yeah. Yep. Um. So now, twins. Yeah, let's talk about twins. Okay. So the twins are, I think, sitting at eleven and seven. A <laughs> uh, pretty dang good start for our hometown 
uh, Diamond Boys, if you want to call them that. Yeah. Um, the Diamond Boys. <laughs> We're using that all year. Like the Diamond Dogs from Ted Lasso. He's <laughs> like, a, like um, a gay porn producer. Good. Perfect. The Diamond Boys. The Diamond Boys. Wow. Um, yeah. Honestly, split in New York was great to see that. Yes. If you can split on the road against perennial playoff teams. Yes. That's money. Yeah. All year long. And I think we're going to win today against the Red Sox to get that series as well. Yeah, a little disappointed that we couldn't quite get the sweep because I would have just continued to extend my lead over you in Twins Talker. However, um, a couple of welcome surprises. First of all, the fact that they have pretty much slapped Jose Miranda, a guy who has played less than 162 professional ball games in the middle of the lineup to protect a guy like Carlos Correa. And every time he steps to the plate with runners in scoring position, he seems to deliver is awesome. When you get support from a guy like Ed Julian, who you call up probably earlier than you had expected due to some injuries to a guy like Kyle Farmer, and he gets shot out of a cannon, that is a welcome sign. Um, so lots of good things. Uh, and then Carlos Correa's performance, by the way, over the first two games of that Yankee series, multiple home runs, multiple RBI doubles. What multiple we clubs. signed him to do, exactly. And I'm for, being honest. for yeah. him to perform to standard is not something that Minnesota sports fans are used to seeing. So round of applause for him for earning his paycheck so far. Um, but outside of that, it's been the pitching. We talked about it last week. Joe Ryan, to me, is the best pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah, and honestly, we really should have taken three or four in New York. Yeah. Uh, held them to two runs. Three runs, two runs, and then six runs on Jackie Robinson Day. Uh, and then Boston held them to five and four. Like, we are holding teams to four or five runs at the maximum. Last year, this was 10, 11 runs. Yeah, and, and Mike, who, who, held, who held your boys to two runs on... Uh, the Yankees to two runs there during. Oh, that. and took the loss on the took the loss. Who Wasn't was that? Maeda. No, who was it, it was your boy Louis Varlin. Oh, that's right. Who came in and had an early and had an early stud like performance. I love Louis um, Varlin, dude. I know Mike's been Mike's been a stand for Louis Varlin ever since the beginning of the year. Um, Who's he? Uh, he is. Where did he come from? He's actually a Minnesota boy. Okay. Oh, really? Yep. Young, young guy. Um, had a couple of flash starts towards the end of the season yep. last season. Started a little bit last year. Went one and two with uh, not a great ERA, but like he had one or two starts that were just ridiculous. There he is, right see. there. Yeah. And you can see his stuff was effective. Um, he had hitters. The timing for him, for me, is what what had guys off pace all day long. It wasn't so much east west. It was stop and start for him which is what you want to see out of a young guy because a lot of young arms you see come into the league right now, it's, oh, I've got a nasty slider or look at this north-south curveball. For him, it's fastball changeup, and that is the most uh, consistent way to develop a young arm and to be doing that against Judge, Rizzo, and Carlos Stanton in New York You know, after they've lost two straight games is incredibly encouraging. Yeah, uh, played his college baseball at Concordia St. Paul. Yep. Wow. Yep. Fucking I could have played there. That's amazing, actually. You think you could still play there, Gabe? That's the I, well, I think that, yeah. But I mean, uh, he, went to, he went to North St. Paul High School. Wow. wow. That's great. Who, who can't root for him? Right. I got a couple of quick things. Yeah. Do you guys, are you guys ready to apologize after seeing Arias just on top of the league hitting things to just say, Gabe, you're right? No, because no. go look at Pablo Lopez's stats. I know he's doing great. I yeah, he is. so good that and look at the Marlins record with and Arias we'll and look at our record him. with Lopez. That's that was my point exactly. Oh, as, that is oh, 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 okay. as good as Luis Arias is, he is not winning you 
all games. He's great for the stat line. He's fun to watch. He, plays he might put butts in seats. But guess what? When you get Luis Arise is not single-handedly moving you past the Yankees. He's not. You better hope this pitcher doesn't have too good of a year because we won't be able to afford him next oh, year. Uh, oh, he's oh, already oh, resigned through what? like what was five gonna, more years? I was gonna say, why don't you why don't you flip <laughs> the graphic, Gabe? Because Pablo Lopez has been so good that they went ahead and have already given him a four-year extension um with the Minnesota Twins, which like that is them committing. We we thought I'm of, cool with it. Yeah, honestly, man. Loved it when I saw it. Absolutely. I mean, we thought about it and we went, okay. And we talked about it with Nash Walker with the Carlos Correa signing a year ago, which is when you have a guy like that and then you bring in talent, you have to solidify it long term because it you in the MLB yes. more than anything, it's hard to be a flash in the pan team. Right. You have to gel. Yep. Momentum is very much a thing over a 162 game season. Now Pablo Lopez knows for the next five years what bullpen, where he's going to park. What, you well, know, speaking of momentum, everything. Too, have you been watching these guys on TV at all? Yes. It's first of all, it's way easier to watch. We're going to continue to talk about the rule changes because it's yes. so easy to watch baseball now. Now, if only Bally would let it go. And God, aren't they fun to watch? <laughs> they are fun to watch. Like they are having fun. Like the, yeah. those high fives after home runs are yeah. are pure, out of true joy and enjoyment. And like they're having fun playing. It's with the, so with much other. more fun to watch when yeah. they're like that, when they're have, truly having fun and liking each other. And well, stuff, and you're going to play better, right? Yeah. 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 It's such a difference, but it's also April. And it that's April. what I just, True. I mean, I'm not trying to shit on it. I'm no, just saying, but like, we're also Minnesota sports this. fans. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. like, this is when we get to be excited. You take exactly. It. This is our time here. This you, is you, when we eat. <laughs> you take it as you can get it. We and, eat in April, boys. And we we talked about it when the season kicked off. There are going to be injuries. Every team's going to have them. There's 162 th- games throughout the season. But if you can hold an 11 and 7 pace, if you can hold a 10 and 6 pace, if you can stretch things out in a division that is very much going to continue to find its feet early in the year, if Buxton goes down for 10 games, if Correa has a, a, a hamstring strain or whatever, you're going to be a, in a better position to weather that storm. So I think it's still important to get these games early. Um, no concerns out of the bullpen for me. Let's talk about the games that are coming up for the Minnesota Twins. Um, They're going to return home after their game in Boston today to take on the Washington Nationals from the 21st through the 23rd. We're going to see the Yankees come to Minnesota the 24th through the 26th, uh, and then we will have the Kansas City Royals uh, to kick off the 27th, and that will be right after our show um, next week. Mike, how do you think this series is going to go? End up. Why don't you go ahead and give your predictions from, you know, the uh, the minority point position of Twins Talker so far this year. You're up by one with a lot of baseball to play. So uh, I'm going to pick that the Twins win both series against Ooh. the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that Joe Ryan remains unbeaten. Okay. So he doesn't have to take a win. He but just your can't unbeaten. take a loss. Fair enough. Uh, and then I'm going to say that Ed Julian goes yard at least one. Okay. So you think he, by the time, by the time we get back, we're thinking Ed Julian four series, three home runs. That's a good start for a young ball player. I mean, it, his swing looks so good. It's very, it reminds, if he contacts the baseball, it might go. It might go. <laughs> it, it might, might go. go. <laughs> like, <laughs> let me ask you each this because you, you, you guys are watching more twins than I am. Yeah. What, um, whereas I just look at stats for the whole league constantly. Oh, but that's what, why you're a Luis Rice fan. Oh, I look. I just like he seeing just stats, man. Lot. Absolutely. Well, he's on the top of every. Hey, it was list, cool. So it was cool, him. though. Shout out Luis Arise. For hitting first the cycle. cycle of the season and the first cycle in Miami Marlins 
And he's hitting Franchise doubles history. like crazy too. He's a doubles machine all of a sudden. Yeah. So he he has more power than Maurer. Ha, but anyway, yes. But anyway, very true. What um, more speed? That's all. Who do you guys see as far as like this is putting the cart way ahead of the horse? But we're seeing some good early indications here. Sure. Let's say it comes down to the trade deadline. We're you know in a battle for first place. First of all, do you see us making a big move? Second of all, what do you want? Like, what's this team missing to be a true contender? It's another, a true power bat. It's Jim Tomey. Yeah. That's who we're missing. A Nelson Cruz. A Nelson Cruz when he was a little younger for us. Like a DH that you can put in the lineup every day that if he steps up to the bat or up to plate, he might hit a home run. Yeah, I I think. We have guys that have some pop. Carlos Correa can step up and hit a home run, maybe. But it's not on that level, right? Buxton can hit a bunch. Yeah. I can hit 25. Miranda's probably going to hit 25 this year. But you need that 30 year. to Polanco's 35 home run guy still. To protect, especially a young hitter. Like, right. ideally, and I know you don't like this idea, but with the base stolen base percentage being so high up, ideally, I think if the Twins are going to make a legitimate playoff run, it needs to go Buxton, pick a two-hitter, Correa, a four hitter and Miranda or Miranda and a, and a five hitter. Like that way you're the first two innings. You have the ability to chew up a lot of, we talked about it. Chew I don't up the disagree pitch count with it. And, the only thing is they don't like using Buxton speed anymore. I know. So I know it's going to be your four or five. I know. You um, know. How good is this team that we're not bitching about Buxton? Right. And like his well, year he's having, how good it, is like, how good has Buxton been? He's been, he's been around, which helps. And we've been, he's been there when I think it's clutch buck. That's yeah. my favorite buck. Get him to the plate in the eighth or ninth inning. He's going to make something happen for you. Um, so that that's really good. Okay, he's been clutch because I was seeing vintage bucks where bucks, which is uh, he's batting about two twenty six. Well, two home but, runs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two right. Two home runs, twenty five strikeouts. Yeah. Seven walks. It looks shitty on paper, but I wasn't. It sh- does look I, shitty like, on but paper, but I wasn't aware he was. Uh, well, the, the Astros game. Clutch. Yeah. The, the Astros game. He's the reason we win that game against the Astros. That is true. Um, the two-out double that he hits does drive in. I think it's a run or two before Correa comes up and clears the bases, right? The other night uh, against Boston, Jose Miranda drives Buxton in after a eight-pitch walk. Like, those are the clutch things. Like, I could give a shit less if you're going to hit 250. If when it matters, you're on base. Fair right? enough. If, if you're clutch... If your clutch batting average is 450, but your regular is 210, who cares? I'm okay with that, right? Sure. sure. <laughs> um, is this Correa's team or Buxton's team? Yes. It's Correa's team. Do you think that that's acknowledged? Like, yeah. There's I a reason. Crazy when to you be think honest, that. But I think it's, I think there's a reason they showed them together so much. Yes. Sure. Mm. But because I think I that's think also both. a PR play because you paid one before the other and one got the other here. We don't sign Correa if Buxton's not here. They are best friends. Mom, big contributor that way then. Yep. Um, <laughs> locker room guy. Hey, love that, right? Um, so Mike went through his predictions. I've got my three. Are you ready? Yep. I think by the end of this series, the Minnesota Twins end with a winning percentage against New York above 600. Fair enough. So we've played. We split. So we're at 500 already. You yeah, got a so three-game series. So you have them winning two of three. Yeah. Why would you say it in such a weird roundabout way? Because I wanted it to sound different than yours. Okay. Okay. Nick has them winning the series against the Yankees. Sure. I have Joe Ryan with six wins by the (laughs) time. I have Joe Ryan with six wins by the time we see you guys again. So not only is he going to remain unbeaten, but he's going to actually get wins in both starts. All right. Correct. 
Uh, and then I think Jose Miranda with plus five RBIs by the time that we see you guys again as well. Hey, hey, Mike. That's a bold one. What's up? What's with your weird fucking, like, this this uh, resistance I'm feeling about Joe Ryan? I feel like you yeah. got, like, I mean, did he fucking poach your woman or something at some point? Like, what's going on? I have no idea. I'm what feeling some about. energy. Like, yeah. Nick, I just said he's going to remain unbeaten. Okay. I just okay. said that. I, I mean, earlier when I said Joe yeah. Ryan is the best pitcher in baseball, Mike, immediate response was, well, actually, technically, it's Sonny Gray. It is. So. Sorry for being accurate. Uh, <laughs> and we'll move on. NFL news. Jalen Hurts contract. You see that? Yeah. Just, see, just right there. Right like, there. oh, yeah, Joe yeah. Ryan topic. Next. This guy hates Joe Ryan. You hate Joe Ryan. You hate winning. He hates Joe Ryan. <laughs> Yep. All right. So Jalen Hurts, five years, two hundred twenty-five million dollars, and the impact that has on the NFL. I actually believe, believe I have a type of fifty-five. Um, so the man goes ahead in year three and gets himself paid as he heads into year four. Uh, some of the bones of this contract: one hundred and ten million dollars guaranteed due at signing, one hundred and seventy-four million dollars uh, guaranteed due before twenty twenty-four. Um, technically, this is a six-year extension because it will kick in. After this upcoming year, so even if they do have leftover salary cap, I'm sure they are going to push some of that money into this year to spread the cap hit out. Mike, your initial thoughts on what this is going to do for the Eagles moving forward. As a Vikings fan who will have to climb Mount Philadelphia to get to the NFC Championship and to do things in the NFC, thank you, Philadelphia, for doing this. Yes, because you now strapped yourself. I appreciate you so much. You guys are such idiots. Yep. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Yeah. Because all you have is a fancy Justin Fields with oh. good weapons around him. Oh. I and love that. you just that. paid out the ass for him. Yes. So thank you so much for handcuffing your franchise. And I hope you are just, you know, very happy in your dirty, dirty streets in Philadelphia. And and to do this in the middle of your Hall of Fame center is, gonna, is getting ready to retire. You're going to have to re-sign Devontae Smith at well, some their point. Their D line is thirty-seven they're, and older. Like. They don't. They're they had to. Re- they almost lost Darius Slay in the offseason. They don't have a ton of draft capital right now. Like I, that's fine. This you is, can have like maybe this year and next year, but you're done after that. Thumbs up for Jalen Hurts for getting his money. Philadelphia made a massive mistake in making this deal. What were they supposed to do? They just went to a Super Bowl with a guy. Like what? You know what I mean? Well, here's the walk. thing. He, they made him the highest player on average over the next five years. Highest annual average value on any on a high injury risk archetype quarterback, too. Yeah. But what but what what else you do you should do? you go longer? They just went to a Super Bowl. You go longer to spread your cap it out. Now the cap salary cap is not fake, but it is very, very soft, and you can manipulate the shit out of it. But Patrick Mahomes' deal seems like a good deal because it wasn't five years. It was 10 years. So they get to they get to play the shell game with his number every single season. You're not going to have the ability to do that with Jalen Hurts over five years, especially with his injury risk being so much higher. And there are injury guarantees in his court in his contract. Minnesota is feeling the effects of that right now with Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is guaranteed four million dollars. No matter what this year, even though he had shoulders, he had strategically placed his shoulder surgery in the middle of Minnesota, wanting to trade him. So those are the pitfalls that you fall into when you don't have the ability to go back and forth. I'll just shut the fuck up. I will shut the fuck up. I'm sorry. That was, I mean, that was no, that was great. So the other impact know. this has is know. on other quarterbacks and their contracts, right? So the one that yeah. I texted you about yeah. that we do need to talk about is Lamar Jackson. Wait, so, 
before we get into this, before we get into this, there's two other quarterbacks I do want to get to because we may have some Lamar stuff coming up in the next couple of graphics here. Is that fair? Why don't we talk about the impact that this is going to have on the likes of Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow that are next in line? Joe Burrow needs to be the highest paid quarterback. Yes. Justin Herbert will get less than Jalen Hurts because he's going to have to sign with a new team. Because the Spanos, who own Los Angeles Chargers, like when you pay guaranteed money like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know if people know this. That comes out of the owner's pocket. Yes, and you have to put that money into escrow. And those owners in Los Angeles don't have that kind of money to be able to pay Justin Herbert the they type of guaranteed not. money that he is out. They don't. I did so, not know that. Ju- that you yes. right? put it in escrow. That's you have fascinating. To. Yeah. Crazy, I've right? I've never heard that. So yeah. Justin Herbert will not, you quote me on it, he will not re-sign in Los Angeles. Unless that team is purchased by somebody else. I will Unless agree. the team is purchased by somebody else. I, I will agree with Mike there. And I almost think, I worry about the Joe Burrow situation, but they have made publicly made all of the moves as soon as they realized who he was finally giving naming oh, rights to the sure. stadium they're gonna make sure you know doing they're building a training facility he's a hometown kid hopefully they're gonna do the right thing and they're going to um he just cursed you on purpose yeah, i guess so <laughs> um, i don't know where that came from. they're gonna do the right thing by getting to him early and signing his deal i would almost go right off the back of jalen hurts yeah. deal right but more yeah but a little and, and longer, I would assume, right? To have the manipulation of the salary cap that you need here. Right. Um, so those guys are uh, are next in line. They're incredibly important to what the number is going to look like. But were you interested, the last thing I want to say in the Jalen Hurts deal, to see that not all of this was guaranteed money? No, I, uh, Jalen Hurts, the one thing he does strike me at is logical. Hey, Jordan, what's up, buddy? Thanks for joining us. And logically... You're not going to get a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson. And they've already reworked. And no, the one thing that nobody's talking about, they've already reworked Again, his no, deal. But the precedent is what matters. Right. And the precedent was set when he signed the initial sure. contract for all guaranteed. Awesome. But in my opinion, I get it. As a, as a player, I should go, okay, that doesn't really exist because they took it off the table less than 365 but days after it was signed. The player could have said no to take it off the table, right? True. So the president is set that players can be offered fully guaranteed deals. For sure. Now, I have a blind resume that I would oh, like to get you gosh. through. Okay. So, hey, Gabe, do we have a, a statistic blind resume? There should be no players on it that we can put up for, for Mike. I want to walk through this with him. This is the next slide, right? Yes. Okay, thanks. All right. Bingo. All right, so we have some statistics on the board here. We have quarterback A who has through the first, and I took their first two full starting seasons. Most quarterbacks come in late in the year, then they get two full starting seasons, and then contracts come into play, right? Quarterback A, 22-8 and eight record, 63.9 completion percentage, 6,800 passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 23 interceptions, rushing yards, 1,500 on 304 attempts for 15 touchdowns, and 18 turnovers on the ground. Would you like to read quarterback B? 24 and 6 record, 65.2 completion percentage, 58-85 through the yard or through the air, 62 to 15 passing touchdowns to interception ratio, rushing yards to attempts, 335 attempts for 2,211 yards, and 14 touchdowns to 19 fumbles on the ground. Now, when these are the numbers, you usually come to the table and pay this quarterback after year three because you want the discount. Which one of these two quarterbacks, Mike? Would you have paid? 
Yeah. Which one's better? Which one's better? You have your choice. Who are you coming to the negotiating table with? It Let's say matters, the Vikings like, could have what one the of offensive them. line looks like in sure. front of them. What the receivers look like that they're throwing to. Sure. Stop hedging, Mike, and just just which Commit. one would you like the Vikings? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Let's say you get to look ahead. This is the season your guy's going to have. Yeah, the, the next two years. I would mean, look I like feel this. like the obvious choice is the right one. Okay. Right. But sure. At the same time, I'm curious. The more yards and less touchdowns and more picks is like interesting, and it it depends on like Peyton Manning had the most interceptions ever in his rookie season. Sure. So you guys can't tell me that he's like, and that was his. His first season starting, right? Right. So his first two seasons would look atrocious. Yes. But it's it's more than just stats. I'm going to say, I'll say the guy on the right, but I am curious as to who the guy on the left is. Hey, uh, Gabe, why did, why, do you have a guess on who these two people might be? Are they from recently? Are they still both in the NFL? They're still both in the NFL. They're from the 50s. <laughs> no. You never know with yeah. Nick sometimes. <laughs> um, my best guess, to be honest, is that the guy on the left is Josh Allen. Okay. And Maybe right would be Lamar then. Okay, go ahead and uh, reveal our quarterbacks, if you would, Gabe. This is Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson. Now, I do this not because I'm going to stand on the table and say Lamar Jackson deserves his money now or the same kind of guaranteed money now because, yes, there are injury concerns and things like this. I'm doing this to tell individuals that with the way that Lamar Jackson performed through his first two years, with no offensive weapons at the receiving position, where he backpacked that entire offense. He was 10 times more efficient through the air. 10 times is but, statistically inaccurate, but sure. Sure. He was <laughs> he was a better passer with worse. Wise, it's right, though. <laughs> Thank you, Cam. <laughs> yeah. His completion percentage was better with worse weapons. His passing touchdowns to interception ratio was way better. He was more effective on the ground, and he turned the ball over less. To be honest, what this really does to me, I, I, get, I get what you're trying to prove, and I respect it. I really do. I'm not trying to step, step on it. Okay. What this proves more than anything, though, isn't how good Lamar is. It's that Jalen Hurts truly is Justin Fields in an Eagles uniform. I, I will agree with you wholeheartedly. I don't think that that is something to be discounted. But when you go, oh, we paid J uh, Jalen Hurts. Because he had this revolutionary season and carried us to the Super Bowl. Okay, look at his passing numbers pre-Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. You look at these numbers, which is pretty much the same situation that Lamar is in and has been in for the entire first four or, five, or four, or what's going to be now five years of his career, and you go, give him any weapon. And I wonder what he would yeah, be capable I, of. I, I, I agree with you. And, and I think Lamar's slider. He doesn't squat 600 pounds, so he is technically higher injury risk and sure. has shown that he has a higher injury risk, which yep. needs to be weighted. Um, I do have a tweet from Sarah Ellison. Side-by-side -side comparison of Jalen Hurts' deal with the Eagles and the mm -hmm. Ravens offer to Lamar Jackson last September. Allegedly, because nobody has actually said shit on what the Lamar Jackson deal actually looks like. Well, this was an offer that was made to him last September, and I remember it happening sure. that they offered him, and it was basically tabled until the end of the season. Remember that? Yeah. So this could specifically be that reported contract okay. sure. offer. Uh, total value, Jalen Hurts is actually 255, Lamar Jackson 250. Keep in mind, the Lamar Jackson deal was offered in September. Contracts just rise, right? Yes. So it has been time. Uh, full guaranteed at signing, though, Lamar 133, Hurts 110. With the caveat 
total guaranteed Lamar 200, Jalen Hurts 179. Correct. Um, so he would make five less over the duration of the contract, but he'd have 20 million more in guaranteed money. Was the offer that, like, to me, Jalen Hurts was overpaid. Sure. And that seems like a fair deal for Lamar. It does. It, if, it, I'm, if I'm being honest. If you came, if you, if, if Lamar had an agent, right? Right now, I would say, here's what we were offered. Here's what Jalen got. Find me anywhere in the middle of those two deals, and we will sign it tomorrow. Sure. Right? He doesn't have an agent. But I think where the bridge is burned is all on timing. He won an MVP in year three. Sure, Jalen Hurts got them to a Super Bowl in year three or four, or whatever the case may be, right? But if you have that level quarterback, and you want the discount, and you want to invest, and you want to him, him to continue to die for your cause... You don't table it till the end of the season. I, 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 I truly understand that logic from Lamar's perspective. Yes. From the pocketbook's perspective, he is a high injury risk. So if he comes out of year three, wins an MVP, you give him $200 million guaranteed, and he runs read option in week three and breaks his leg and never sees a field again. Sure. Ouch, dude. Like a, you see that you got to see that logic too, though, right? I, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. So that's why they waited, and they're they're getting burned for it. I get they that. Are. But that's just it. But Lamar's also getting burned for it too. Sure, sure. So it's it's kind of what happens because of the way he plays, because it is so electric, but it's also so dependent on him being able to be who he is. Yep. And it's tough to sustain that over a sixteen game season, let alone a seventeen game season, and that changes that happened. Since he's been in the league. No, and that's and that's completely fair. And I'm going to get to a, I hope Jordan's still watching because I'm about to use a quote that he gave me earlier this week. But I'm also going to say, did Jalen Hurts not miss three or four starts towards the end of, or three or four games towards the end of the season this year because of the way that he has to play? 100%. Again, I my opinion on the Jalen Hurts deal is Philadelphia is dumb and overpaid for a dud. Right. And so what I feel and Jordan, I, like I've talked to a hundred people about the Lamar Jackson situation because I'm fascinated by it just because I'm a fan of his. And I think he is going for, as far as players negotiating their own contracts at the quarter quarterback position, this is somewhat unheard of, but the way that Lamar is doing it is when business treats you like business, you got to treat business like business. He has no reason to come to the table and negotiate and be kind hearted with Baltimore anymore. But yes, they have had two years no to do to so personally burn them, which he has done a couple times. Sure. That's but not he's do, but, either. but guess what? Do you think that if they had been coming to him with genuine offers or if a deal had been done that he'd have sat out that playoff game, because it is known he sat out that playoff game. He could have played this year in the playoffs. Well, according to him, he couldn't have played. In the but playoffs. you know why he says that? Because he's a liar and he's trying to manipulate. Like that's the thing too. Is because like, business dude, is treating so, so him like business. This. Let's talk about this because that to me is actually another indictment against Lamar Jackson. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Look at Camp. Look at uh, Earl Thomas. What happened to Earl Thomas? Drew Brees. Okay. Renowned, known as a person who is accountable and will live by his word to the sure. point that he will go give Rick Sosa an interview <laughs> after 50 minutes of playing catch with his kids and giving autographs. Good callback. Lamar Jackson is not accountable or responsible for what he is saying if he tweets out that he was injured and medically unable to play in that game sure. and it was false that's a lie sure 
But that's because business had treated him like business, and it was a business decision for him to stay off the field. To me, to be the franchise quarterback, you've all, always, always, always needed to be the leader of the franchise. The 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 like that's why Kirk Cousins does fit as a franchise quarterback sure. because yep. he is the the dude. He Get will it. do what he's saying. He will be like you. Almost need like the perfect dad in a way. Get it. Totally get it. But and Lamar's you, just not. But then you look at a situation like Earl Thomas, where he had pleaded. Not a quarterback. But let okay. me out of Seattle. Let me out of Seattle. I don't want to be in Seattle. Let me go to Dallas. Somebody come get me. And they said, nope, we're just, you have to play out your contract. And because he didn't want to be viewed the same way that Lamar is currently being viewed, he went out on that field, broke his leg in half, and his career was essentially over and that's after the risk that. that owners have of giving guys guaranteed money like that. but if we're in the player era where you have the right to somewhat we're, we're, protect in, in yourself the NFL, we're moving towards the we're not there yet in the nba we are he might be the catalyst he might be he might also fall flat on his face by sure. trying to be the catalyst and like personally, Le- like Le'Veon bell did i sure. think it might go that way unfortunately and, and it might but he has every right to protect himself as an investment 100% man but the, the Ravens also have every right to protect their investment. And if they don't True. feel that he is worth $200 million guaranteed because of his style of play and availability is a very great ability to have that he doesn't always have. I don't know. It's, it's 30. I, I truly understand both sides. 30 some odd draft picks and seven top seven of the top 15 receivers have been traded since Lamar Jackson has been drafted. If you want to talk about protecting your investment as Baltimore, that would have been protecting your investment. I get it. There you go. And and guys, let's not forget situations are situational. There we go. So with that, let's go to NBA playoff overreactions. So we're going to have a statement. I'm going to have a statement. Mm -hmm. Nick is going to tell me if it's an overreaction or true or an underreaction. Yeah. Is that fair? I like that. Cool. So we're going to kind of go through this fast. Let's do it. Because we are already at about an hour 15. Sure. Okay. So NBA, Be nice to me, guys. Be nice to me. We NBA are. NBA playoff. They're in order. Don't worry. You ready, Gabe? Yes, I am. All right. We're going to. Okay. Two-minute drill. I'm, I'm NBA up. playoff overreactions. We're going to start with the Western Conference. Wolves versus Nuggets. Wolves don't win a playoff game. I, I do not think that that's an overreaction. I think they could probably steal one at home, but the likelihood that the emotional stability of the Wolves will hold up to close a game at home is slim. Very slim. All right. Gabe? Oh, yeah! There you go. Yeah, I just, yeah. Oh, skip me on these because I'm doing this uh, production stuff. Oh, he's he's prompting you to, for the flip. Ah, thank you very much. There you go. I take it back. All right. Uh, Suns versus Clippers. Kawhi is better than KD. And Clippers beat the Suns. That's an that that is an overreaction. Okay. Um, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker in Game Two showed you exactly what it is like to play them when they're on, and when Chris Paul doesn't go, D'Angelo Russell one for nineteen, sure. and the Clippers as good as they played, and as good as surprisingly Russell Westbrook has been defensively in this series. Dude, that block on KD was personal. Oh yes, that that was eight years of frustration. I miss OKC with you, yeah. dude. Oh my gosh, yeah. if you guys haven't seen that block, go look go, at it. Go, go, There's, go. it's personal, clearly. But it sh- goes to show you that on any given night, when any of them even have remnants of their offensive game going. 
Kawhi Leonard doesn't stand a chance. Sure, sure. All right, uh, Gabe, whenever you're ready. So the next one is going to be Kings versus Warriors. The Warriors dynasty is dead as uh, the Kings go up 2-0. Sir, I do not think this is an overreaction. Ooh. The, the age of Draymond Green, I think, more than anything, is what hinders the Warriors. Poole is an offensive weapon. Clay Thomas is an offensive weapon. He doesn't quite play defense the way he used to. And Stephen Curry has always been a liability on defense. If you get into a series with a guy like De'Aaron Fox, who can straight up run it these days, they are in trouble. All All capital letters. So I do notice on the run sheet here. Yes. We didn't have the Lakers Grizzlies. That's because neither one of them are relevant. John Morant isn't playing and LaBum James doesn't deserve any spotlight. All right. Fair enough. Uh, then let's transition to the Eastern Conference. We're just going to straight up skip over two teams. I love it. Uh, Bucks versus Heat. The Bucks still are the best team in the NBA and route the league on their way to another title. Did you see the score of the Heat Bucks game last night? Maybe. Did you know that they did that? Do you want to fill in our viewers? I believe it was like 139 to 105. Lots to a little. Lots to a little. Um, and they did that without Giannis. Yep. The Bucks are the best team in the NBA, and they so were So not an overreaction that they're just going to no. walk through playoffs. No. Okay. All right. So the Bucks, if you've got money on it, bet on them. Bet on the Bucks. Celtics versus Hawks. Trey Young is the most overrated player in the NBA. You like my little overrate-o-meter up there? I like it. I love <laughs> overrate-o-meter. <laughs> um, and so I, did, I did. As voted upon by the NBA Players Association, all of the players in that association, about a week ago, Trey Young was voted the most overrated player in the NBA. So you're telling me that Trey Young is associated with overration? <laughs> yeah, that's what you're telling me. Sure. Um, is this an overreaction? No. He's a six foot hundred. Like I look at Trey Young the same way I look at Bryce Young. It's just not going to work. The the frame and the style of play is not sustainable. See, what I think his problem is, is he'll have 40 points, but he'll also have 14 turnovers. And he'll also have given up 35 points because much like Steph Curry, he is a liability on defense. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Whenever you're ready for the next one, you're doing a great job back there, by the way. Very well done, sir. A lot going on. A lot going on. 76ers versus Nets. Joel Embiid is the best player on the planet. He's my pick for MVP. Yes, I like it. That planet right there? But like in years past, it's still just not enough for the Sixers. I would agree with you. Joel Embiid is one of those guys that unfortunately needs a true number two. And James Harden is no longer a number two. So if you switch Embiid for Cat? No. Go bear and make Yo, that your yeah. true number two. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good. That's nasty, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, I do not think this is an overreaction. I think Joel Embiid is the guy that's going to go to the mat for the 76ers for his entire career. And we're going to look at him a lot. Like we look like we look at Charles Barkley. Unfortunately, I, I, uh, probably way better as far as just like standing in the league during their career. But I do agree with you. There. Yeah. Uh, Cavs versus Knicks. Cavaliers are the dark horse pick to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, not an overreaction here. Donovan Mitchell. But a is, dark horse still. Oh, very. Well, yeah, they were. They're the six, right? Yeah, they haven't been relevant since LeBron left the second time, for those of you in Cleveland that forgot that he dissed you twice. Um, Donovan Mitchell, though, has been on 
fire. And they are a physical, they are a more physically imposing team with Jared Allen than I thought they were going to be. I've been watching that game against the Knicks and the Knicks have a lot of, and I know it sounds weird, but they have a lot of stocky guys like Brunson. Julius Randle's a big guy, right? Julius Randle, uh, RJ Barrett. Those guys are all physical players and this team doesn't flinch when they get onto the court with them at all. I think they're going to march into Madison Square Garden for game three and put on a show and become New York's most hated team. And honestly, guys, I will say, as somebody who doesn't, pay attention to maybe national playoff series as much in the past for some reason this year's nba playoff series and nhl playoff series a little bit more interesting are like hitting harder oh yeah they're like way more fun to watch the action is quicker it seems like the games are faster it it starts to tune in because some good sports going on right now around the country so with that there is something else that's going on this weekend Unfortunately, I know you're hosting a party. I will not be able to be there because it is Samantha's bachelorette party weekend. So I am on single dad mode. And bring Ty work. with. She should. The birth of the what super time fight. is the fight, Nicholas? Is that like midnight? She yeah. Can, okay. So we've yeah. got a quiet place we can put her. <laughs> Let's bring a two year old to a midnight right? fight. Yeah. yeah, you guys are funny. All right, but we get we get to talk about it. So Gervonta Tank Davis versus King Ryan Garcia this Saturday. <laughs> Let's talk about it, guys. What are we thinking? Let's let's talk about it. This is the rebirth of the super fight, right, Gabe? It is. Yes. It we are we are we are at heaven's doorstep this weekend. If it goes well, could be the beginning of a new golden era. Like, like of okay, the, of so this division. I gotta ask this, and then I'll bow it. out. Sure, I'm definitely like the ignorant one. Sure, I paid for the last super fight. Which one? Which which one comes to mind? Like the last super fight. The one that happened that everybody had so much acclaim for and waited for forever, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. Sure. Right? Like that was supposed to be the the one that, that was, was like the catalyst. And now we're gonna just see a bunch of different big fight. Like that that was supposed to be this. But no, it was also 10 years late. That was predictable. It was a freaking dud, too. I fell asleep was, in the sure, eighth round. Sure. Everyone wanted that to be good, but that was a very everybody wants this dud. to be good too, though, right? This they, is two young guys entering their primes. A combined I mean, 35 knockout. I, like I get it. 45. But knockout. are they like, is I there, get, I, I, my question is this, is there any worry that both of these guys have been doing what they've been doing and have been on social media the way that they've been doing it to pump up the numbers and get a payday? Or are they walking in and trying to knock the <clears throat> fucker out that's across from them in round one? I well, think both which of, one is most likely? In my opinion, I think both of them are very aware that whoever walks away from this fight is the face of boxing. When it happened with Pat Pacquiao and Mayweather, it was decision-wise though too. Like you win it in decision, you walk away as the face of boxing. Yeah. Because, well, look at let's look let's look at the tail of the tape here, right? Hank Davis, twenty-eight. Ryan Garcia, twenty-four. When Pacquiao and Mayweather fight, they were both in the latter part of their thirties. It took too long. Yes. So there did. wasn't I a lot that. left for them after that, right? Um, then you look at the, the the fact that they're both still unbeaten. They both knock guys out at an incredible clip. They're both incredibly polarizing on social media. Like they are at the earliest portions of their career, and because of their the crowd share that they're going to get, whoever you know, the guys that cheer for Tank Davis are homegrown, like old school boxing fans. Ryan Garcia brings some of the same eyeballs that Jake Paul brings to boxing on a more legitimate level. And that's a massive scale. You, we haven't seen that since Roy Jones or like Muhammad Ali, or you know what I mean? Mike Tyson style stuff. So whoever walks away is going to walk away as the legitimate King. Okay. Um, not just in the ring, 
but from a media standpoint as well, they because are the there's, king of boxing there's going to be a, yeah, and there's okay. going to be a run of fights that follow this one for this individual, you know, Loma, Haney, um, other guys like that that you're that are going to follow this, and you're going to go, oh, we are really seeing the rise of a a true superstar. Is that skepticism that this could be a dud understood at all? Like, is that is that the only way that this fight is a dud is sort of really more of like a personal letdown which yeah. is it's tank knocking out okay. ryan okay. in the second round but the even, third round like and it's possible and even then you know what's gonna that's happen that's not a dud of a fight then it's, it's not just, it's like not a said, dud of a, a fight. personal dud it's a I personal dud and yeah. even then what's gonna happen is we're gonna come out and i'm sure the first thing that's gonna get said and this will kind of lead us right into the fight is ryan garcia is gonna say okay you got me once how about you rip that bogus ass rehydration clause out of this contract you come fight me at 140 instead of at 136 like you had to negotiate where I can't rehydrate and let's run it back. And then we're probably, you know, if Ryan Garcia wins, then you get the trilogy fight. So there is. I, more... I think it's bad for boxing though, if, because of they have this hyped up now as people believe, right? Like it's a 50, 50 fight. It is. And when you hear purists like this, that's what's kind of been killing me. I've been doing all this deep dive shit on it. And I, I told you this, Nick up. Um, yeah, whatever off mic. But when I saw the one guy who broke it down where he's like, Garcia has no lateral movement. Sure. That terrified me when you see, he comes sure. in straight and he's like, Tank has, he can fight from all angles and he does these step aside knockouts all the time. And he's sure. just like, that's what that's for. But that reach is insane. It's I mean, a that's big a reach, advantage. reach advantage. Huge reach advantage. Jesus. I mean, he's five inches taller, guys. Right. So he's going to be punching down, too. I, as long as Ryan, in my opinion, as long as Ryan Garcia is ready to defend Tank Davis's like left, that leaping, he almost has that Roy Jones leaping left hook, like that trap left hook to the body. I think Ryan Garcia is at a massive advantage because anything that that check hook that Ryan Garcia throws, he's going to be throwing almost like in 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 motion. It's it's weird to punch up. Right, the ability to punch down. Or throw an uppercut where instead of at the top of your reach, you're catching them in the middle right. is a massive advantage. Well, and for like a you fighter. said, Gabe, the step aside game is what Gervonta like will be using against Ryan Garcia because Garcia will be coming at him straight. Yes. It's difficult to step aside and then punch up. Well, well, also though, this is the other part of this. I don't think we're gonna see a lot of body blows from Garcia. No. Just just try it yourself. Try to like lean forward and cut like punch down that far. Correct. That exposes his head like crazy. Like he'll get, you know, and, and that's one of the things he does. He loves to do the, the jab step, like the step in um jab. Yep. Where like and it's I, I don't know, man. I want Garcia to win all and I like Tank now. Like I have a weird, yeah. he's really won me over. I really like him and he's way better of a fighter than I thought he was. But we have Tank who's in his prime. Ryan is really just before his prime. Like, he's just entering his prime. I mean, we'll see, right? Yeah, and I think the way that they did his camp, I've been watching a lot on Ryan's camp. I've been watching a lot on Tank's camp. But Tank's camps really haven't changed. Okay. Um, Ryan's camp has changed a little bit. The nutritionist that they use, the way that they, they've got oh, his no. weight down, the way that they, they've done some things recently to where, and we've seen it. We show, we've showed it the last two fights we've covered for Ryan Garcia. He's no longer a child. He yes. is a full-grown man, and everybody in his camp says, even though that he's about 10 pounds, he's going to be going into this fight 10 to 12 pounds lighter, they did a lot of the things that they did with John Jones where they measured a lot of his power and speed metrics. He may be lighter. He's gotten stronger. Well, yeah. 
with the loss of this weight. I I, I would like to say I'm, I'm, I'm a Ryan Garcia homer. I've been a fan of his forever. But if I thought that Tank Davis had a legitimate like a legitimate chance to go the distance with Ryan, I would give him a little bit more credit. But all it's going to take with Ryan's speed is one mistake by Tank Davis. I don't think Tank has ever seen speed like Ryan is going to present because I don't think there's another boxer that has speed like Ryan Garcia presents. I so think, I think the tough part is though in this, and and I hate I hate that I'm armed with this knowledge now is that. Ga- Garcia get, has just no margin for error, right? Sure. Like he makes one mistake. I think both of one. them. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think like Garcia's power is quite quite there. I mean, it's 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 actually uh, deceptive. Nineteen really knockouts good, out in twenty three fights. That's, like, that's a pretty good rate. And most of, I mean, look at the Luke the Luke Campbell fight for me. I look at that body shot, and it may not have like he hit that shot, and it took Luke Campbell about five seconds to realize that he was dangerously hurt. That five seconds, if he just would have followed up, like if and Tank's going to have to wade in because he doesn't have the length that Luke Campbell does, if Ryan hits him with a shot like that and then follows up, Tank Davis is going to be in drastic trouble. Drastic yeah, trouble. But if Garcia, who got put on his ass by Campbell, sure. got hit that same punch by Tank Davis, the fight might be over. It's going to be an open fight. Stand- yeah, it, it's going to be. Th- this fight will be won on the front foot. And this so, fight, it's a great, it's a great fight to see and we'll see if ryan can keep him on the perimeter yep and he we've never seen ryan fight inside no like i mean we've seen him step in and do those hooks to the body and stuff like that but we've never seen him like dirty box no it's like that that will be interesting um and we're worried about tanks ring generalship and his ability to cut off the ring and move laterally that he's going to back Ryan into ropes. And that's what we're kind of worried about. Sure. No, and I, I think these are all valid concerns. This yeah. fight will very evidently be one on the front foot. And when I say that, Mike, so a little, a little bit of education for you as, you know, I know your brother's a fighter as well. When you're a Orthodox fighter fighting a Southpaw, both of your power, ha- your rear power hands are coming from an open stance. And it's all about who's got the outside leverage with their front foot. Sure. So it's really going to come down to who's got better footwork to launch from in this fight. That's where it's all going to be won at. And that's Ryan's big thing is, is his ability against lefties. He is, mm-hmm. he is a lefty killer mm-hmm. and he has huge confidence about it in general. So it's a great, like, how about this, Nick? Do you see this even, you know, it's easy to say, Oh, maybe Ryan could win this in a decision. But for some reason, I feel like this fight is not going to no. a decision. I don't think it gets past six. One. I don't think it gets past six for rounds. The future of boxing. I hope it doesn't. I can I, see it really. To I can be still see it going ten rounds or whatever. I just don't think I. For some reason, I can't even see Ryan winning on points. I just feel like well, someone's going to get knocked out. Yeah, I do. I do too. I think somebody's going out. But the way that Ryan fights, he's maybe a little slow in rounds one through three historically. Rounds four, five, and six for him, he pours it on guys, and they wear. And then the minute you drop your guard, even in the slightest, it's over, because. His his reaction, the speed in his reactions is going to lead to a massive shot. I'd like I, I agree with you. Somebody's going out, and it's going to be talent versus technical. It's going to be you know it, it is it is in my opinion, it's the small man's version of Ali versus Tyson, reach and speed versus movement and power. That 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 is what it is for our All generation. Right. We got to cut it. Uh, predictions. See, sorry, one just quick thing on this. Sure. Did you see that they have bet their purses now? Oh, really? That that's what they're saying. And I, I actually, for some reason, I almost hate this in boxing. Like, it, it makes me cringe every time where it's like, 
I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'm trying to figure out who's the one. I believe Tank is the one who put it forward. And then well, he's Ryan got Floyd, was asked, he's got, and he doubled down on it. He's like, yep, let's bet the whole purse. He's got he's got Mayweather in his corner. No matter what happens to Tank Davis, he's not walking away from this as a broken man. Loss or not. Yeah. So, predictions. Garcia in six. Knockout. Gabe? God, I was going to say Davis in six, but it's so begrudgingly. So, you know what? I'm just going to say... Actually, I'll say Davis and five. Ah, ooh. All righty. Well, let us know what you guys think at home about the Davis-Garcia fight coming up this Saturday. Who are you rooting for? Who is going to win? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, With that, we have our last segment of the day, MLB 30 under 30 teaser. We have three 23-year-olds. And then with that, we have five guys left for next week that we'll get through. Um, Our 23-year-olds, whenever Gabe is ready. Well, we can get the list first, right? Yep, yep. Two hitters and a pitcher. We got the list of individuals from last week. We reorganized, right? Juan Soto made the list. Where do these guys rank? Like, we, we, we got to tell the people. Can't leave them hanging. Plus, you got to buy me a little bit of time anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So, as soon as Gabe gets the graphic up, we can kind of roll through it. So, last week's guys that we added to the list were, you remember, Juan Soto, Obichette, Vladimir Guerrero, and? Another 24-year-old. Yoan Duran. Yeah, that guy. There you go. So where did you where do you think just about those guys would have landed on this list? We had I, I do think Soto's probably a top five player in the league yep. right now. Um mm-hmm. are you watching his year? Soto? Twenty games in. You're really taking a sample size of twenty He's games. Having over... a terrible. It's not not okay. Let's let go ahead. Wait until June. Yeah. I mean, I agree, but it's like okay, holy then... shit, it looks bad. Well, I'll put yeah. the list up. Let's see. I, I'm I'm trying. Um, I can't do a segment where I talk beforehand and then do it because I can't do that. That's what I just learned here today. Okay. Well, hey. Um, here it comes. And it's not looking good, but it's up. There we go. Hey, you know what? We made I'll it. Make the adjustments. Yeah. Mike, you want to run us through the names? So, in order Shohei Otani, Bryce Harper. Number three is Mookie Betts. Number four, Aaron Judge. Number five, Juan Soto. I would agree. I would put Soto above Judge because they're probably about the same player to me, and Soto is six years younger. Okay. And I would probably do the same thing with Mookie. So, to me, Soto is probably third. Okay. Uh, Francisco Lindor is sixth. Seven is Ozzy Albis. Eight, Rafael Devers. Nine, Jordan Alvarez. Ten, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I think that's a good spot for him. Yep. Alex Bregman comes in at number 11. Number 12. Uh, That should be... um... The other Braves. Acuna Acuna Jr. should be at seven. Ozzy Albies is that I will make 12. that adjustment for next week. 13 is Alex Manoa. 14 is Sandy Alacantra. Got the second A that time. Proud of you. 15. There, you know that there is like another player in the league, like Alcantara. Yeah. And it's okay. That's what why it keeps screwing with me. I gotcha. 15 is Xander Bogarts. Uh 16 is Austin Riley. 17 is Bo Bichette. I agree with that. Actually, yeah, I would uh I do agree with Bichette above Correa, and it's simply because of the age, because I do yeah. think they're very similar players. Yep. Uh, I, I think Correa is actually technically even more valuable now, but mm. because of Bichette's four years, I'll agree with that. Okay. Correa at 18, uh, 19 is Juan Urias, 20 is Tristan McKenzie, 21, Adley Rushman, and 22, Duran. I agree with that. Duran would be at the bottom of the list. Um, if he continues to do what he's been doing, he could climb very quickly, but... And the but is he's only done it for a year. Yeah. So that's why he's at the bottom of the list. Yep. So the three guys that we have for this week, Hunter Green, Fernando Tatis, and Bobby Witt Jr. Um, 
The fact that Fernando Tatis is still only 23 years old, coming off his first suspension, and is probably one of the best hitters in baseball. Um, Love that floating bat. You like that? In front of the screen. That's so fucking dope. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> you never thrilled me with a graphic like you did just there. You're very welcome. Um, let's let's start with let's start with El Nino himself, who actually just is making his return this last week um, to the San Diego Padres and Fernando Tatis. Um, plus, like uh, the epitome of a five-two player. Uh, yeah, right? like that. If if you draft first overall, you want to draft that type of a player. If you're yeah. making a player in a lab, that is what you're making. Yeah. He's being made in a lab. Yeah. I mean, that's what they. That's what you'd think, but then you have you paid attention to his tear back through the minor leagues on his assignment to get back to the majors? Yeah, but like he should do that, right? He's a freaking all star in the major league. He should dominate double A pitching. Did you see the double A pitcher like freaking mm. chirp him? Yeah, like because Tatis hits a home run off of him and like was like celebrating. The guy's like, "Congratulations, you just hit a home run off a double A starter that. Yeah. as a major league all star." Like the fuck? It's like why are you? Talking about yourself like you're a fucking little bitch. Boy. Yeah, it's yeah. just a weird funny. take, right? Like, I love that the pitcher clap back. I suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. Um, have you ever seen a player? Is, is there a player who has navigated a steroid controversy easier and better than Tatis? Like, I feel like he's getting no Manny's first one. Okay. I think if Tatis isn't the only star on the Padres, there's more publicity about it. Correct. But the fact that he's up there with Cronenworth, Soto, Machado. They're able to carry you without him. Yeah. I think he's so good looking and likable and stuff. It's just like he just, it's I mean, like he's, people don't care because he, he gets away with but it. But he also, well, he else. didn't get away with it though. He got yeah. caught and suspended. He got caught and punished. So what's there to talk in the about? I'm like public opinion, right? Because there's guys who don't go to the Hall of Fame. I believe he could retire tomorrow. He'd go in the Hall of Fame. Nah, I don't. I, I don't mean that numbers wise. I'm just saying, like, yeah. as far as people, how they regard. Speaking him. of which, I want to say this on the show before it's too late. Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He does. All right, uh, and let's of use course. that to talk about another red. Sure. Uh, how about a guy that what the a tw- transition? How about a guy that was passed on by the Minnesota Twins when they had one of their first overall picks not too long ago in Smart. Hunter Green? Smart. What That's, a stupid fucking thing to do! I didn't know that. Yeah, they did. They he was he was the number he was the number two overall pick to the Cincinnati Reds. I who don't even take? remember who the Twins took at this point. Who wants a starter who can throw hundred and two? Well, here's the thing: he came yeah. out as a shortstop. Well, yeah, and he was. I remember Hunter Green like in the draft. He was already highly touted as a yeah. Friend. Oh yeah. I don't under oh, like. Yeah. I feel like that was another budget thing. Like I feel like that. Like if we looked, I'm gonna look it up. Oh, Mike's. I think working on it right now. But you want to talk oh, about it? No. So, uh, uh, so we had the first pick. We picked Royce Lewis. Ha! Number two ha! was Hunter. Listen to this, though. Number two was Hunter Green. Number three was Mackenzie Gore, who's also like a ridiculous 23-year-old starting pitcher who could respectively be on this list. That's true. And Royce McClanahan. Not on and the how list. about, what about our, <laughs> Royce McClanahan? Or not Royce McClanahan. Uh, Royce Lewis. No, 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 there's a Shane Baz was drafted with that. Yeah. But the, um, what about Joe Ryan? Put him on the list. No, I mean, he keeps moving. We may have, me and Mike. If we make a list next year, he's probably on it. He's probably on it next year with, yeah, he's got to put. He hasn't proved enough just yet. He's very close. And honestly, we're going to actually finish up the list with. uh, Who should have? Honorable mention. An honorable mention for each age as well, Gabe. So Yeah, so we we will do that. But Hunter Green, man, you want to talk about a guy. I mean, if you're hitting 105. Yeah, he threw 105 last week, 105.2. 
39 pitches, I believe, over 100 miles an hour. He has, yeah, he has the MLB record for most triple-digit pitches in a game. And the guy doesn't have any shoulder problems. He missed time last year for a hamstring, and that was it. Yeah, I saw a statistic the other day where it was like, it was total pitches over 100 miles an hour in the 2022 MLB season. Hunter Green had 256 or something like that. The next closest guy had like 30. Yeah. Like, he's throwing heat that nobody else is throwing. It was and a it's not, fucking budget move. Yeah. And it's oh, not, my God. And it's not dart straight heat either. I mean, it's got his two-seamer's got plenty of tail. So, wait, we didn't draft Hunter Green because we didn't think we'd afford him? Because yep. we wanted to basically spread our money over the rest of the draft picks. Because if we would have taken him, we would have had to draft a bunch of college players who are not as likely to, to sign, a, kind yep. of, or like yep. just lower. Yeah. It's so fucking so, so who else did we get in that draft class is a question. Uh, not enough. And by the way. Not enough. Here's this thing. This is what a freak he is athletically. At 17, Green has sent balls out of Petco Park in San Diego and, and Wrigley Field in Chicago, which is, not to imply, which is not to imply that he simply deposited them over the fence with a souped-up metal bat. No, he put them out of the stadium with a wood bat at 17 years old. He doesn't even bat like... Well, he doesn't Holy even hit now. Shit. He All right. Hit so now. here are a few of the names that I've even heard of from that 2017 draft that we supposedly saved money to get. Sure. So Royce Lewis. Sure. Our second pick was Brent Rooker. Oops. He's played some for the Twins. Um, Andrew Bechtold is coming up as a third baseman that I've heard that name. Mark Contreras. Um, Bailey Ober. Okay. Oh, good. Um, we did have a lot of freaking picks. Holy crap. I would have traded every I would trade every single one of them now for Hunter Green. No he other name I recognize. To he be was honest, on the so. cover of Sports Illustrated in high school. Yeah, and yeah. he looks like a grown man. And we said, mm, no, no, we better like budget better. Yeah. God, just, we are fucking cucks. We, just, we are I don't know. This is so that's hard. a dumb move. It's so dumb. I remember I just, th- this year, the LeBron James of Major League Baseball. I saw him on the cover of Sports Illustrated, yes. Gabe, and it was the first year that I had ever paid attention to the MLB draft. Twins had the number one overall pick, and I said, that's your guy. And I even thought at the time, I said, well, he plays shortstop and pitches. Can't he do both? If you draft him today, he's fucking Shohei Otani. Hey, Twins, here's a guy who throws 102 and can hit the ball out of a fucking stadium at 17 years old. You want him? Nope. Nass. Uh, better, better go to Walmart. deal on Royce yeah. Lewis. Royce White. Royce Lewis. All right. Well, Ugh. let's wrap this show up before it goes into tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Bobby Witt Jr. is our last prospect. Yeah. You want to talk about another guy who a uh, five-tool guy has the potential to be exactly what we see out of Fernando Tatis. And this is what happens, by the way, as a perfect caveat to the conversation that we just had. When you're a small market ball club and you have the opportunity to get the prospect and bring him up early, this is what it looks like. They did it with Salvador Perez. Now they're doing it with Bobby Witt Jr., who tears the cover off the baseball. He'll probably be part of the 30-30 club for the majority of his career. Hit 270, stack gold gloves. He's got every tool you need. Yeah, I got to say, that 2019 draft is just freaking nuts. Um, I mean, we had Manoa on this list. We had Bobby Witt Jr. on this list. We had Adley Rutschman on this list. Yep. Uh, C.J. Abrams could be in the honorable mention. We'll see. As yeah. far as his, you know what I mean? Like, that class as a whole is freaking nuts. Who did the Twins take in 2019? Oh, <laughs> Keone Cavaco. Third baseman, 13th overall. Sounds like a good deal. 
Jacqueline um, Thorne. This is what makes me even sicker on this now that I think about it. Jackson Rutledge was picked after. This is, oh, how, this is how important it is for the Twins to take marquee guys. Yeah. Because we never, ever have a fucking chance at them <laughs> once they're free agents. We don't bring no, in fucking true. free that's agents. That's actually a very good point. But, but you could, because if one of them hits and you, like, could you imagine right, right. now if the ace in your rotation was Hunter Green? Just right. fly, Just switch. Hunter Green for Royce Lewis. Your roster, everything else stays the same. Holy you, shit. Look at the rotation chance. you have leading with Hunter Green yeah. and then the position players you have. Yeah. If you yeah. win a World Series, then they are likely to resign. Success breeds success. Yes. It's just, it's your one shot to get a fucking God, iconic, damn. like, marquee player. Fuck. You go, we better just fucking save the money. Mike, before I go ahead and add them to the list for next week, where would you place these three, these three players? With the potential, because they are only 23 weighted in, they're yep. probably all three going to be in the top 10 uh, without looking specifically at the list. But I would say... Fernando Tatis I mean, sure. if you were to do a fantasy draft tomorrow, are these not a few of the first names off the list? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's basically what we're doing here is the value that these young players bring, being one of the best players in baseball right. at 23. Right. Um, I would say probably top 10. Which, yeah. Which also, did you see the Reds? Uh, actually, brilliant... Uh, contract uh, contract extension they got green for no they just locked him in i think it was yesterday and they basically got him at an average of 10 million per year that's fantastic i mean well, isn't just he like, still under his six year yeah his his deal will change because he's got six years of mlb service before he can i bet you there's an out at year six i bet you that's very possible, but but it was one of those things where people are saying, you know, where it's like, wow, why did kind of like why did he sign that cheap in a sense? Well, that's probably like, why. it was a that's probably because he was passed over as the number one overall pick and had to go with his second option. <laughs> All right, uh, yeah, and with that, Nick, extended. the lead out, please. Sir. Yeah, ladies, uh, I'm glad to have y'all with us. I'm sure Mike was as well. Of course, happy holidays to you all. Make sure you celebrate today in one way or the other. If you know exactly what we're talking about, I think that's what me and Mike are going to go do. Um, what? what? It's I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you not hear the hooftops no, on I have the roof? No idea what you're talking about. All right, hooftops on the roof. Very confused. Uh, <laughs> this holiday will do that to you, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you join us next week. We will recap the Ryan Garcia versus Javante Davis fight. Uh, it will be the week of the MLB draft as well, so we'll have plenty to cover there. Um, anything else that you think that we're going to need to get to next week? Before, uh, of course, we'll have. Watch playoff base, uh, basketball and hockey. It's yeah. it's good. It Even is if good we're this losing. year. It I, is I good this year. You. Mike, what platforms, if they loved this show, should they go share our show on to return next week to watch the incredibleness? As always, guys, we can be found on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, YouTube, Patreon, and Twitch. Uh, you can check us out on Twitch. Uh, I think Nick is working on a series on Twitch from MLB The Show 23. Um, I'm actually trying to familiarize myself a little bit with EA Sports PGA Tour, so I can do a series for you guys on that as well. Um, it's going to be kind of a gaming sports page. Uh, we could probably put those on our YouTube eventually as well. Yeah, that's right. Uh, massive uh, thank you to Rick Sosa for joining us this week. Hopefully, we're going to be able to have him back before too long. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, stay safe, take care, have fun. Nailed it, Gabe. Thank you. See?